Welcome to Be More Super the Podcast. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we've got a great guest. Uh, This guest can be seen in the awesome, the expanse that's rocking the globe right now. It's, of course, Vanessa Smythe. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I normally, and it's sad to say this, I normally start my interviews with asking how the last (laughs) two years has been for you and how you've been keeping positive uh, how you've been moving one step, you know, in front of each other. And mm-hmm. have you picked up any new skills during this uh, lockdown? Oh, God. Um, if overthinking is a skill, then I've really been mastering that one for sure. I mean, I I felt quite fortunate because we were lucky enough to film a lot of season six during um, the beginning of last year. So when a lot of people were shuttered in their houses, I was very lucky to be getting tested three times a week. So I knew that I was um, healthy and I was actually getting to collaborate with some of my favorite people who happened to be my co-stars in the show. So that certainly provided like a gift of a distraction and a focus um, and something to kind of keep me in connection with other human beings. In the times when that wasn't the, the daily task, I feel like, what have I been doing? Yeah, like it's a combination of good decisions and bad ones, I'd say. like. You know, sometimes you allow yourself to binge all seasons of Succession, for instance. And then, you know, sometimes you gather yourself up enough to go for a walk and maybe call like your grandmother that you haven't talked to for a while. And that can maybe drift you somewhere good. So I feel like I haven't cracked it. Um, I'm trying to just be gentle with myself and with people that I talk to who are struggling in the different ways that they all that we all are. Because, you know, like, what can we do apart from kind of one moment at a time? Yeah. Mm, mm. And praise we've got shows like The Expanse to uh, escape uh, to a whole new world with. Um, Mm -hmm. So, no, that's really refreshing to hear, um, you know, how how you've been coping with it. I mean, how is is it Toronto that you're in at the moment? How's everything Toronto? I mean, have they got lockdowns, restrictions? Yeah, we... um, There's a bit of a... I feel like people are kind of a bit sunk in right now. Today is the first day back at school for a lot of kids and everyone's just been informed that we're going to be online kind of, you know, at least for a few weeks, but probably a little bit longer than that. So um, my partner, he's also a writer and actor, and he was gearing up to debut his one man show um, with a really exciting and wonderful theater company here in the city. And so a lot of us are kind of like entering the new year with this strange feeling of uncertainty and I think, I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of people I talk to, we're all um, a bit like heavy from it in a different mm-hmm. way because there's a bit of familiarity with what lockdown can feel like. So I feel like this time last year or even in, at the beginning of 2020, I don't really know what year we're in, to be honest. Um, I feel like there was kind of uncertainty, but there was a, a solidarity in discovering what that could mean together. And now my sense is that a lot of us are like dragging our heels in anticipation for what we know is awaiting us in a sense. So I don't know, I'm going to try and like, I have three nephews that I'm like, I love them more than anything in the whole world. 
So I'm going to try to get inventive with like, I don't know, maybe I can do some lame outdoor scavenger hunt for them or something like just to kind of <laughs> offload some of the burden from their parents who I know are going to be working and schooling them and trying to keep themselves somewhat sane. So yeah, it's mm, a weird time. Mm. Mm. And definitely having kids. I mean, I've got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, oh. two, two, two little girls. And I've got to say, throughout, throughout the pandemic, you know, they've been quite resilient and kids are, which mm. is great. So, so yes. I just hope it doesn't affect them, especially mental health wise because kids you know they they are social butterflies aren't they they want to be around their friends they want to be playing Mm -hmm. and I'm glad to say schools have been back in the UK for 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 quite a while now and it was their first day back after the holidays yes yesterday which which was a chore to get them back up (laughs) ready and to school in time Uh, but we did it but no it's nice and do you feel that this pandemic has really highlighted uh, you know the generosity and um, you know the people that are really nice out there I think I think mm. you know you see you see both sides of the coin you get you see the people that you know are being quite you know not very nice about things the restrictions and the lockdown and everything like that mm. but I'm seeing a lot of you know kindness which I think is really nice I think I think it's a definitely reset button for humanity and it's it's making us reassess our lives mm. and and what we're going to do for the future which i think is yeah great. i think that's so beautiful i got maybe i cry more easily these days or maybe that's just who i am but i i felt pretty moved hearing you describe that i mean i know when i went and got my booster recently the woman who was like giving me the vaccine she was like you know i just wanted to give her a thousand kisses you know like i said to her i was like i just hope you know you know we all appreciate what you're doing so much and she goes oh like I'm so tired and it really means a lot. So, I mean, even something very tiny, like some stranger who's overexcited to get their booster telling this person, thank you. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I don't think that can be underestimated. Mm-hmm. I think those little exchanges are a lot, can mean a lot to all of us right now. Mm-hmm. And and in the UK during the pandemic, we did a thing. I don't know if you did it in Canada where every every day well on a certain day each week we all went outside of our doors and we clapped for like a minute yeah. or, or, or so for all the key workers and I think the first couple of times we did it I got choked up uh, because yes. I'm a key worker and so and so is my oh. wife so we've been working throughout the whole pandemic and uh, we was here at Christmas time uh, we both got COVID so oh, uh, me 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 for the second time so I should oh, be uh, super immune by now yeah and yeah. Um, you know but who knows but let's talk about your awesome career because okay um, you you were very very busy um <laughs> you know people think acting is is a, a, a glamorous career but it is mm. very hard at times you get the ups mm. and the downs so why acting why choose that mm. that route yeah i mean i think for me it's always um it's been the place that I continually get pulled back toward. I mean, when I was a little kid, I've always just loved stories and storytelling. And I remember when I was in grade one, this um, woman came to our classroom and she told all of us a ghost story. And I remember just like from that moment forward, kind of feeling this visceral kind of magic and power. And I don't know, something about it just like magnetized me. And so I would start to do like horrible ghost stories of my own at like family Christmas parties. And I always had this like just this surge of desire to be a part of stories and tell them and make them up and dance around. And so 
I was lucky enough when I was younger, I went to a performing arts elementary school and a high school. So I was exposed to music and dance and theater and other weird people like me. So um, it was always kind of a, a big part of me. I mean, I didn't think though that it was really, I didn't know anybody that I was close to who was pursuing it professionally. So I never really thought it was an option. Um, I did my undergrad in philosophy and got really passionate about a lot of the writers that I was studying and trying to understand. And I was really intent on doing my master's and kind of taking that path. But my final paper in my fourth year, I had a really amazing prof and he really encouraged us to be as creative or as inventive as we, we felt we needed to be in the work. And uh, my final paper became poems and like a script, basically. Um, so I literally, the work I was doing was always bending me back toward the urge to tell and be part of stories. And that's kind of been a recurring theme in my life. I, um, after I graduated, I actually worked, I needed to pay off school loans. So I worked selling software at IBM. And I was like, <laughs> you know, in my mom's clothes because I didn't have any work clothes. And, um, and even there, a guy who was a couple desks over was an aspiring stand-up, And he actually brought me to my first professional acting class. So I was always kind of being um, funneled back into this, I don't know if it's cliche to be like primary calling or, or original love, but it feels like something I can't escape uh, in a really beautiful way. Like even when I feel really lost or if there's a time when life is uncertain, like it is now or work is uncertain, I feel like I've, I'm learning to maybe trust a little bit more on this kind of primary tug I have and, and believe in wherever that's taking me. So. Mm, mm. I mean, how hard is it, uh, you know, for, for the viewers out there that, that may not have, you know, looked into being an actor how hard is it the profession you know to to succeed yeah i mean i I think it's so many of us are seduced into into what we think it's going to be like um i mean i started pursuing acting professionally when i was in my early to mid-20s and i uh i felt and discovered humility over and over again because you kind of think that if i'm proficient at something, if I can be good at something, and if I can demonstrate my ability, like, I'll get to do the thing. Um, mm. Little do you know that there are so many variables and so many other people who are just as gifted vying for the same kind of parts and things. So I mean, for me, it really required me to um, to write a lot of my own work. So that kind of gave me an opportunity when I was waiting for the other opportunities to come. Like I would write my own shows and I would you know, find open mics and find other souls who mm. just uh, would not rest by like waiting for their opportunities to come. And and then as a byproduct of that, I feel like more people began to see and be introduced to my work and it did ultimately lead to opportunities where it wasn't just me writing my own stuff. So, yeah. but it's, it's definitely a, a grind um, and sense of humor is like, I don't know, my biggest the best tool I could have in my toolkit as I embark on it continuously. So <laughs> that's awesome. And what drives you? What 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 really pushes you to, you know, to succeed? Oh, great. I mean, I think it can change. Um, I, I mean, I know you have a performing arts background too, and mm. I feel like a, a lot of us who share this passion, like, I, if you believe it is inside you, you you may have this this um, this urge to kind of let it live. So there is kind of that, like, on a basic level, this feeling of whatever is inside you, you feel like you it's your job to offer it. 
Um, so I feel like that can be sometimes the motivation. Other times it's like uh, when you watch something or you witness something and it inspires you so much, you almost feel like, I don't know, as a way to say thank you, you want to continue to strive yourself to mm. to tell a story with as much honesty and conviction and lack of fear that you can possibly manage. So like, I don't know, it almost feels like this cool conversation that you're lucky enough to be a part of. And and then sometimes I'm just like, the world's all going to end someday. And why wouldn't I just fling myself at something that I love so hard, you know? I mean, do you ever get scared that, that obviously, you know, you you obviously are very good at what you do, but do you ever get scared that that it may not work out or is it a case mm. of you've, you've got a backup plan um, because mm. that was the thing that always scared me was because yeah. you know I suffer I suffered with a stammer really bad bad one I had speech therapy for like seven years mm. um, but you know I would always worry that that would get it get in the way I mean does do you get scared I mean uh, you know does this job come with the pitfalls mm. of mm. undoubt? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think that the fear for me at least goes away. Um, something that I love, I'm, I'm part of an acting studio that I really believe in. And I, I love the other actors they get to work with. A lot of them are actually from the UK. Sometimes we act online together through our Zoom mm-hmm. screens. But um, what I find so like encouraging is before each of us works, we all share whatever feelings we have. It's like a very like, <laughs> let's all like share our feelings. And and nine out of 10 times, some of the best actors I think I've ever seen get up there and they're like, yeah, I'm feeling uh, feeling terrified. I uh, don't know if I could do this. Uh, I um, think I'm sweating. I think I have to pee my pants. I don't know. And here I go. And then they begin the work. And if you didn't, you know, if you weren't privy to that like confession before they began, like I wouldn't necessarily know that that fear was still brought along with them. Mm-hmm. So. I think that that's kind of cool. I mean, I don't know if the goal is to ever eliminate your own uncertainty or your own doubt. Um, I think for me, it's to almost normalize it so that I'm like, all right, this is just the fear that I feel before I walk the plank and dive out to sea, you know? So (laughs) that's like, I mean, you maybe ask me again in a couple of years and maybe my answer will evolve, but that's where I'm at at the moment. And who's been your biggest influence, you know, um, you know, going along this path of mm. this 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 journey who's been your biggest influence in the industry and why mm. that's a great question i i don't know if i have a singular influence that really stands out um i feel like sometimes you're lucky enough to kind of cross paths with someone who really moves you and inspires you and in the best of times kind of sees you i remember um, a few years ago i went to uh, banff in alberta which is like I don't know if you're familiar, but there's these beautiful mountains and it's kind of this magical place. And they have this amazing center where they invite artists to do these residencies. And I went for this poetry residency because I, I love, I'm a, I write poems as well. And this woman named uh, D.B. Young, I had never encountered somebody who embodied what they believed in so fully and so beautifully and so uniquely and she herself was an actor and a writer and a poet and a mother and a, you know, um, somebody who stood up for what she believes in. And I remember being so struck by how clear she was with herself about why she did this work and what she wanted to offer uh, with everything she participated in. And something about being there and being kind of in this swirl of like the mountains and 
and being like in this temporary time with all these artists across the country, it was this really special, it, it, it was a very formative thing. And I think when I am um, trying to connect back with when I'm, why I'm doing what I do, I think of her. Oh, that's awesome. And have you yeah, seen you gotta her meet since? her. I'm gonna have like you send you. Her... Yeah, have you seen her since or do you, do you keep in touch? Yeah, she, or... yeah she's, uh, she's based in Toronto a lot of the time. I mean, her work takes her all over the world and she's doing amazing work, particularly for young black voices. And so when I'm not seeing her at maybe a Toronto opening of something, um, I'm, you know, I'm like her biggest fan on YouTube or we'll have exchanges about the work. And I really feel also that she expresses a belief in me and that, um, that's something I want to keep close, you know? Oh, mm -hmm. that's really sweet. Mm -hmm. And and fing yeah. fingers crossed with, with this pandemic, um, you know, we'll have more, you know, open mic nights and, yes. and, and more oh. theatres and yeah. because I've got a lot of friends that, that, that work in the West End and, and they're slowly going back and I just want to get the chance because my girls are, are, I think, a bit older, I would say, and I want to introduce them to, you know, theatre and plays yes. and, and get yes. them excited about, you know, storytelling and, and everything yes. like that. Because my eight, eight, eight year old, she's absolutely amazing. She oh. really, really is um, reading two years above and, wow. and she, she, she loves short stories. So you've got to embrace that. Yes. Uh, you really yes. do. Uh, but let's talk about The Expanse mm. because I was uh, late, late to the party. So so I think I, I started watching it when the second season came out and I binged watched the first season. <laughs> what a show. And it's yeah. only two episodes left. I and know. I've got to say, I feel sad watching it, but excited because I know there's, <laughs> there's no more. It's like having a perfect yeah. meal and just getting to the last few <laughs> bites. Um, <clears throat> but um, I've got to say, uh, I mean, uh, episode four that we've just seen, brilliant episode. <laughs> Um, I interviewed yeah. Sama Salim uh, the other the other week, and he said to me, uh, "Just make sure you message me after episode four oh. and tell me what you thought." And I didn't know what was going on, and I didn't think that was going to happen. But do you yeah. think uh, before we talk about your character, do you think we'll ever see the Expanse again? Because it got saved yeah. last time by the fans uh, from Sci Fi over to good old Amazon. Uh, do you think? personally obviously i know you've probably signed so many things that you can and can't say certain things but do you feel that that there is room for more expanse hmm. i do believe there is room for more expanse i think i'm not sure what it would what it would or could look like but i think that the amount of people that have been moved or moved or struck or inspired or scared or scarred by the show, I think is, is a high number of people. And I, I mean, I, I love it so much. Like if I wasn't part of the show, I would just be a, an enormous fan of it. So I am personally hoping um, that we get to exist in that world again in some way. And I don't think I'm the only one with that hope. So we'll just see. Thanks. Awesome. If you could let the viewers or the ones mm -hmm. under a rock, uh, if you could tell them a bit about who you play. Sure. Uh, so I play Michio. Um, Michio is part of drummer's um, faction and polyamorous um, relationship. So in season five, we get introduced to drummer's sort of um, family who are these uh, individuals who are kind of giving her this almost personal component of life. I mean, up to now, we've seen a lot of drummer uh, 
you know, in charge. And we haven't seen this kind of personal side of her as much. So um, Michio, I would say among that kind of community, she is certainly a lover and not a fighter predominantly. She um, loves the one she loves with an immense ferocity. And though she can be very scared and shaky and sometimes press the wrong button, um, she, when it, when it comes down to it, I, I really believe she would do absolutely anything for the ones that she loves. Mm, she's such a superb character. And, and I read somewhere that originally her character in the books, they actually took her history and mm. her characteristic characteristics and gave them to drummer. So, which is, I think it's really odd. So how, how did you develop the character of Michio? I mean, how did that come, come, come about for you? Yeah, so um, Michio Pa from the books has largely, her sort of story and experience has largely been combined and absorbed beautifully by drummer's TV uh, iteration. Um, so my understanding and interpretation of that is um, my character being Michio, it's, it's, it's a larger kind of gesture and nod to the books, but she is her own, her own thing. Um, uh, I see her as like a part of drummer's heart. So yeah, I mean, it was... Um, it was really cool. I mean, we when we were shooting season five, um, our lovely Kara G was actually, she was expecting, so she was pregnant. And we had to cram a lot of our um, uh, belter material like all at once. So I remember I was grocery shopping or something and I got sent the um, like outlines of what was going to happen in the rest of season five because I didn't actually know. I only kind of knew one script at a time. And I, I read about how Michio steps up, and I don't think it's a spoiler um, now, but she takes matters into her own hands with a fire extinguisher, and she saves Drummer by outing Corral. And I remember being like, oh my god. <laughs> like, so it was this real um, jolt of excitement to discover that this person who had been a little bit more peripheral in the show until that point was having a moment to really demonstrate what she was made of when push comes to shove. So I remember being really just excited by that. And I think um, in the same way, when I read the beginning of season six and got to rehearse those first few scenes, I was, I was so delighted to, um, that, that the writers had given such care and attention to everybody in this story, including how Joseph and Drummer and Michio have fared like in the time since we last saw them at the end of season five and what war has done to, to each of them mm -hmm. and what it has done to the bonds between them and and kind of how that's manifesting. Like, I feel like Joseph really hardens and he's got his like, you know, his beard of war and he's like, <laughs> you know, like a soldier and, and Michio is literally fracturing under the pressure and pressing, you know, like is not inside of herself at all. And so, yeah, it really just was so, like, what a gift, like what I auditioned for the show. I had, I had zero idea that any of that was awaiting Michio. So it's, um, it's been one of those things you talked about when you're, you know, eating a really good meal and you, you want to savor every bite. I kind of felt yeah. like I had that feeling the whole time we were shooting where I was like, this is, this is a special thing. Like, let's really, mm, let's really drink this up because mm. it won't be here it forever. Must, it, it must have been heartbreaking though, because obviously, you know, like when you're in a show and you're with a cast and you're doing your shows night after night, and then you know that this might be your last show together or, or it is your last show. How emotional uh, that mm. last, last show was because I was in a production of Cabaret 
and oh, wow. and I played and I played Clifford Bradshaw and mm. I remember at the end I had to sing Willkommen uh, and I start to tear <laughs> up and yes. I've got to say that was from the emotion of knowing that this is the last mm. time I'm going to do it on this stage with these people I mean how emotional was it you know filming your last scenes yeah I mean um interestingly the order that we shot a lot of this there are those um series of x-ray shorts that are kind of um you can discover between episodes and that was I believe the last thing that I filmed and what's interesting is um if you if you haven't seen it it sort of explores um, Michio is about to be sent away off the ship. It's the end of 601 and they're about to uh, leave her. And so it's kind of this contention with goodbye. And I remember filming the scene and it was also a gift that Samer and I got to join um, Dominique and Kara to do a short like that. It was really cool that they gave us that opportunity to really study and steep in these characters. And I remember, I'm sure on, on a conscious and on a subconscious level, all of my the way that I collapsed into a you know Samer's arms when I hugged him and kind of didn't want to leave. I'm sure inside of that was was my human body not wishing to leave a moment too soon <laughs> from you know this like magical, fucking cool gig that I got to be part of. So Aww. so certainly it was. Um, I don't think I was seeking to maybe play that, but I'm sure inside of me there was that was going on. No, I could imagine them saying cut and you're still hugging and you're not letting yeah, go. Yeah. And they're like, come on, just let go, woman, yeah, let go. I know, um, I know. But completely. I mean, you joined you joined in season five. So that's quite a way into the actual show. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was it like to actually join such an established show? And did you actually watch the show before? Were you a fan or did you watch it before joining after the audition? Yeah, so I mean, I have to say, um, Kara G, who plays drummer, was um, unbelievable, above and beyond when it came to welcoming all of us into season five. Um, another actor in her position could have been, you know, polite and kind, and that was about it. And she was like, we've all got to have a dinner together. Let's go on a first date all together. And I want to know all about mm -hmm. you. And, and and Kara and I, we, we um, were both from the same... Um, kind of background in the work. We did a lot of the same kind of theater projects. And um, so we had already met and knew each other before the show. Um, so yeah, she really made us all feel entirely welcome, um, which was really special because we all had to portray this kind of entangled love story together. And then it was interesting in terms of preparing for the show. I, um, when it comes to things that I'm a fan of, I almost need to temper uh, how much I like lap all of it up because it'll make me um, in a, in a, unable to do my job. Like if I'm collaborating with someone that I really love and I've seen all their movies and I've watched all their interviews, I'm gonna be terrible as a scene partner to them. So, so I would watch the show and I would read some of the source material, but then I would kind of have to give myself a bit of distance so that I wasn't entering as a fan first. I could enter kind of as a collaborator first. And then when we would stop filming, I could go back and read more of the books and I could, you know, binge more of the show, but I, I had to kind of temper that because um, like, I just, I'm too, I'm too like too much of a fan to, and that would just <laughs> buckle me, you know, under pressure, like mm. Thomas Jane. I'm like, I, I'm, he's directing me and I'm thinking about Deep Blue Sea and I'm, I, you know, so, so that's my long-winded answer to that. Well, I don't know if you watched my interview with Sama, but I did describe uh, when I interviewed Tom, Thomas Jane and um, <laughs> he, an he answered the video call with, with, 
I'm not sure what if he had clothes on. Um, it was just him um, smoking a pipe, and mm. um, and he asked if it was on camera. So, That's but yeah, amazing. I mean, absolute legend of a guy, and yeah, mm. Deep Blue Sea definitely. I mean, the costumes mm. in this show is just phenomenal. It really is, Joanne. Uh, I think yeah. her name is the costume uh, designer. Um, has done a glorious job. Um, I mean, what is those suits like to wear? Are they as you know annoying as I've seen in interviews? I mean, from your point of view, um, they're. Mm. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like if you're in a wetsuit on a very hot day, and you're not allowed to jump in the water. You just gotta stay in the wetsuit. It's sort of like a little bit of that. I mean, at the same time, though, it kind of would like it would sort of tell your body that like you're you're on deck. Like, let's let's go. I mean, some of the like the biggest help to portraying or being convincing in the show, I feel like, is how realistic so much of the set and the costumes are. Like when you've got those heavy helmets on and you've got um, the way that you're hearing each other is kind of like, you know, in this sort of tiny little helmet microphone and there's the the sound of the oxygen like it really you really allow yourself to believe that you are in space so um so you gotta sweat a lot you gotta drink a lot of water because you're sweating so much but it's um but it's, it's enjoyable cool. yes yes <laughs> and also i've got to ask as well uh i've got to get the right picture up here um that tattoo <laughs> above, above above your eye does it actually yeah. mean some, something mm, um I have not been made aware if there's a particular meaning with it. I know that a lot of thought mm. is put into um, who gets which tattoo and where they are in their body. And Michio also has a cool one around her neck that we don't get to see a lot this season. Um, it became my little friend. I, like, <laughs> it became this little creature that I would sort of, um, Jen Fisher, who would apply my tattoos every morning. She, um, she'd be like, should we put the little guy on your face? And I'd be like, yeah, let's put the little guy on my face. So I'm sure there, there could be a, a larger like you know artistic message but for us it was a little friend <laughs> so this is a shout out to anyone or even the writers um to get in touch to let us know uh what it actually yes. means yeah, um please. so what what what's been the most enjoyable time uh or, or scene that you've shot during your time on the expanse mm. i mean that you can talk about sure i mean um <laughs> i'll stick to the things that that we've already seen i mean in in 604 that was that was a really unique time and i don't know if i'll ever be in that position again where i'll be um can i speak about it freely i can do you know what do you know what yes you can I, I because if people haven't watched to. it well yeah. well shame on them because yeah. i was going to ask you what it was like to film uh -huh. uh, because uh -huh. i didn't expect that coming to be honest yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it was um uh entire like, like i can't believe how convincing it was you know, you had prosthetics who created these, this, I'll just kind of give up some context. So in the scene, um, a big supply crate falls on Joseph's arm and he's going to bleed out because we're not able to get a tourniquet around his arm. So we need to um, uh, saw it off. And uh, I was given a real knife and it was very sharp. And I was given some instruction and coaching and I'd done some research about how to do this. And the arms that prosthetic scene would provide you know they had a bone and they were so convincing and then the props has these blood packets and there's and Samer is amazing and he's so convincing and he's screaming and and you, so you really you really believe it's happening um 
And I, as somebody, so I actually don't cook very much. I'm like a horrible, useless cook. And so when we were rehearsing the scene, they would be like, just pretend that you're cutting, you know, like a piece of bread or, and I was like really, like really bad at it. So now when I, um, on the other side of this, when I go to cut bread or cut vegetables, I'm like, well, how would I cut Samra's arm? Okay. That's how I'm <laughs> going to cut this. Like, so it's, I'm sure other people have the same thought. Um, but yeah, just to be part of, um, an epic moment like that and to really, uh, my favorite moment in the scene is when Michio leans over to, to Joseph and says, Hey, I love you. I'm so sorry. And, and I couldn't help but kiss him in that moment. Cause it was just, he, his eyes were so open and so, uh, oh, like, yeah, he's, he's a, they're all amazing actors that I got to play with. So you really believe all of them when they're looking to you, the character you're portraying to help him out. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. an awesome scene and that Rambo knife. And I'm sure yes. there's someone in the F, the FBI now looking at your search yes. history on how 100%. to, um, yes how yes. to take an arm off someone <laughs> so i mean with with the show with the costumes and the props um have you had chance to actually get anything from the show as a keepsake or have you borrowed anything uh i was gifted with some of michio's tattoos so when we find out together if they have a significance that i'm not yet aware of i'd love to know and then find the i only have a few so i'm gonna have to time maybe on michio's birthday or maybe if if the expanse lives again, I'll uh, I'll maybe bring those tattoos back into my being because you just feel so cool with them on, you know. Mm, mm. And obviously, <laughs> you can scare your other half and say, "Look, I've got a new tattoo." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I think you'd so be that, into it. Actually, you'd be like, "Very cool." Mm, mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. your career. I think. I think you know. You've done a lot on stage. You've done a lot on screen and film. Um, and obviously having a partner, which is Jake, of course, which people mm -hmm. will know as Chuck in Designate Survivor. And he's going to uh, be in Umbrella Academy uh, com coming up as Alfonso. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it is it quite helpful having someone already in the profes profession as well, you know, to help with with auditions and sides and and um, stuff like that? Yeah, I think I think for us, um because of I think we have a similar passion for the work and so I think part of how we like to work on things is through discussion and through kind of thinking out loud and through exchanging perspectives on things so for us um, it is really special and rare that we have someone who really understands the peculiarities of it and the nonsense of it and is okay if the vacation you've planned has to be completely canceled because something has come up like there is that um that language that if you're lucky enough to be able to speak with someone you're close to i think it's really yeah helpful um mm. so in large part i think it's it's a yeah it's a really nice thing and i wanted to explore a bit about um your i was looking at the credits for your theater and i saw that you were in a production of the princess bride <laughs> um am i right in saying this is based on the movie it is yes. Oh, what a great movie! <laughs> yeah, what a fantastic! I... And it was actually filmed up the road from here, from from wow. from, from me. So I oh. live near uh, not near Nottingham, near Man Man Mansfield. Uh, wow. So it's like literally ten minutes from Derbyshire, and and mm. and it was filmed there. And uh, I didn't know. I saw it and I thought, is it based on the movie? Yes. Uh, I mean, what part did you play? I mean, I mean, was it a good part? So I, you know, it was funny. I, um, I, I played, I portrayed Buttercup in the in our adaptation of it, um, but I came very close to playing the um, booing woman 
you know, and, and like when Buttercup dreams of of the woman who's like, you know, bow down to the queen of slime, the queen of muck, and she does like the. So I am um, kind of with with like a partial seriousness. I also auditioned for the for the booing lady, and the director was like, you know, we could give you Buttercup, but your your booing lady was also really good. So I don't know, how do you want to play this? And um, I chose Buttercup, but it was uh, it was a very fun production because all of us were so in love with the movie and. It was kind of like a dedication to the spirit of it, um, highly comedic, um, very like yeah. It was was a, was a special time, and going back, maybe I would have you know done the booing lady instead. I don't know, but it was very Do fun you know to create true love. Even to this this day, when when my wife messages me for to pick something from the up from the shops, I always reply, "Your wish is my command." Uh, every time and and beautiful. it's one of it was is one of our favorite movies um and also i wanted to um talk about the edinburgh fringe oh yeah which do you know what i've never been and i feel really oh. guilty because i did performing mm. arts and and i sh- i should have really really gone and and there was such a cute photo <laughs> really was there you go <laughs> I, I, yes. bless you and mm. and when people think that that you know, being a working actor and and being a performer like 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 mm. yourself, uh, spoken word and poetry, um, they think it's an easy job, but it's not. Mm. And I read, you know, the the fact that you had this show and, you know, it was hard work and you was giving out flyers because people mm-hmm. may think that you just turn up on stage and you've got a mm. group of people doing your promotion, but you performed at the Ed- Ed- Edinburgh Fringe. And you had to do all the work yourself. I mean, mm. how rewarding was that experience? And and would you do it again? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think anybody who brings a show to Edinburgh does so with a particular um, kind of goal in mind and a particular team that they've selected is appropriate to that goal. A lot of the shows that I was familiar with, they had, you know, large marketing teams and, you know, a lot of people helping them on the ground campaigning. And I went pretty much solo. I think I was curious about whether or not I could pull it off. I think I was um, my up until that point, I had written and created and kind of directed the show myself. And so I was very, I don't know, perhaps foolishly optimistic that I could manage a lot of it by myself. And the thing I will say was um, I, I had a really magical, really amazing time. And if you can ever go, I hope that you do, because it's really mm. uh, nothing, nothing else is like it. But it would be, you know, I'd have to literally, in you know, acquaint myself with strangers on the street and tell them in so many words why they might want to come to the show, and and sometimes, you know, they would, and then I would get to actually jam and talk with them afterwards. So it was, it was really, um, I mean, that show that I did was all about what you want to say and offer before you disappear. It's called In Case We Disappear, and so the show is kind of a love letter to the things and people we care about. And so it was special when a lot of the time there'd be a room full of strangers that I had somehow earlier that day handed a piece of paper to that would come on whim or on instinct or for some reason. And we'd all kind of share space and time together for like an hour and then never see each other again. So there was something really, really rewarding about that. Um, and will, will I do it again? I mean, I know that partway through my time, my partner, Jake, he, uh, he flew out and he kind of, you know, picked me up and, and pro- dusted me off. And he became that other companion that I think everybody needs when they're trying to do something immense like that. And part of the coolest part of our trip was once the festival ended, we went and spent some time in the Scottish Highlands and got to just hear stories and witness 
places that had a lot of history and magic themselves. So that was a kind of a very cool gift at the end mm. of it. I think I think I've seen something on YouTube. I don't know if it's uh, taken from that show, but mm. you're doing a piece talking about um, someone accidentally. Um, ah. Is that the one? I the, I accidentally the, the, uh, booty call somebody. Yes. Yes. That, yes. 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 That is a, a part of the show. Yes. Yes. And I mean, yeah, the show is kind of um, a creative adaptation of a lot of the. Um, different moments and experiences I've had in my life until that point. And one of them, yeah, is about a time that I accidentally booty called an ex partner and they uh, came over to my apartment and what happens is kind of a surprise. So um, yeah. But, it's, the way it's, it's, but the way it's done, I've got to say, because, because, you know, I'm fascinated with how people do. I love Ted talks because yes. there is a way of presenting in the way of using pauses in the way of how you lyrically say say things and that video i saw of you performing that was magical it really was it was like captivating it's like you had mm -hmm. to listen and you did a video as well um is it um on your couch in your house uh, but it wasn't yes. your house it was your apartment but it rhymed that's right um, yeah. and and again mm -hmm. you know lyrically i think it's just just mm -hmm. um pe people need to go on you youtube and 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 google you and and to see it because mm. or see you live once you do open nut mics and the theaters the are open because because it's it's a be beautiful thing to be able to do that um yeah. i wish i wish i had the guts to do stuff 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 like that yeah, so yeah. it's just really really nice to hear it's really uh you know sort of mesmerizing that's a, oh, the, the that's... best 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 way to say um so um, obviously i'm going to wind up this wonderful interview um but uh, social media uh has your social media changed since being on the expanse um yes my <laughs> my relationship my relationship to it is um is right now evolving i think um yeah i I haven't, I, I'm still discovering kind of how I'm, how I feel authentic participating in the different versions of it. Um, when I, I love when it can connect people to each other and when I can engage in people who care about the same things that I care about or are really into the show and, and are eager to hear about how things happened or who directed what. And I think that's really special. And I also, I'm trying to find balance right now as we're all going to be in our houses or our apartments for longer than we would maybe not, you know, normally like. So I actually, I'm, I don't know. You can tell by the way I am answering this. I think I'm still examining it all, mm. but you know, in a simple way, I, I like when it's a place where I can be joyful or laugh or brighten somebody's day a tiny bit. So I think that is like my aspiring brand. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I, I think in the best of times it can, like you were saying earlier, the pandemic can expose us to, you know, the parts of humanity that are maybe not so nice, but then also really like buoy us by the people who are the best. And I think social media can amplify both of those things too. So I, uh, I hope that my participation in it can like amplify the, the part that I like. So that's all I got and do you for think, now. And and, and and do you think being in the lim limelight, um, do you think, uh, you know, 
the level of responsibility now you've got to have on your Mm. social media it must be crazy Mm. because you can't just post whatever you want uh, I suppose Mm. now Um, as as your approach to it changed I think I'm trying to um, listen and observe what moves and inspires me and and slowly maybe borrow or implement what I see um, working in a way that I think is meaningful and is real Mm. Um, and paying attention to what I am drawn to so that I can maybe echo some of the same spirit or take my time to kind of discern for myself what feels kind of compatible with the world of it and what still feels like me. So, I mean, I think social media is pretty engineered to make us all uh, addictive and anxious and concerned with how we're being perceived. So I feel particularly when I'm in a stage of trying to write new work, which I am right now, I, I have to be very deliberate about how much I'm inviting other people's opinions of me into my space because it's a powerful thing and I think it can be good and useful and important to listen to your audience and to have a conversation with them. But I think for me, at least, I want to be very deliberate about when I'm kind of incubating and only playing, you know, my favorite bands and echoes of my favorite people or, you know, something versus, or my, and my nephews, you know, versus when I am in, interested in inviting everybody to participate in their feelings about me or what i'm doing you know mm, so mm, mm. i hope I mean, so, that that's so, possible yeah mm-hmm. no so so social me- me- media is a cra- crazy world the best of times and uh, yeah. the film i don't know if you've seen the film don't look up i haven't on, yet yeah i hear it's great we you know what i i thought it was fun, fantastic but it's been uh, mm-hmm. been slated by a lot of people but mm-hmm. i think it's it's fantastic satire i think it shows mm-hmm. social media uh, on what it's like um, mm-hmm. with the events around the movie, but uh, but yeah, it's a great, great, great watch. You'll have to watch mm. it. Um, but mm-hmm. Vanessa, you've been a great guest. I look forward. I mean, only two episodes left, I know. so uh, I'm interviewing Nadine Nicole in oh, an hour, um, and and um, Shora uh, next week. Fingers crossed. But I can't Great. believe two episodes left. So yeah. I cannot wait to see mm. what happens uh, in the next two. Um, is it going to be good? Is it going to be thumbs up or thumb, thumbs down? What do you reckon? Oh, I, I no spoilers for me. But I um, <laughs> as somebody who is aware of what happens, I, um, I think the writers have done a beautiful job. So that's all yeah. I'll say. Cannot mm-hmm. wait. Vanessa, mm-hmm. thank you. Look after yourself and keep safe. You too. You too. Thanks so much, Brian. You've been listening to Be More Super, the podcast. It was kind of a crazy, fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends. In my world, it means hope.